Tamaki Makoro. Tamaki of many lovers. Inga hoe faute motu no mai ano kite hotaka nei atiahika. I'm Justine Murray. And I'm Maria Rakaraku, you're with the Ahika on Radio New Zealand National. Today we hear how a Māori village is dealing to diabetes, starting from the feet up, literally. I heard this noise before Neville, you're the, you're the podiatrist, mm-hmm. and it sounded as remarkably like that drill that people put in your mouth at the dentist. <laughs> it, it, it does sound a little like that, doesn't it? But um, actually you wouldn't want that um, on your teeth, I don't think. Uh, no, um, a lot of people have very um, thickened nails and really the only way to deal with that is to re- reduce the nail down by, uh, by drilling it with uh, a little abrasive drill. So you must see toenails that can climb trees. Pretty much, mm. yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> More from the whanau and the podiatry team later in the show. When it comes to art, every piece should tell a story or evoke some kind of reaction, right? Well, yeah, you may not get it right away, but anything that lingers in the mind of the viewer is a winner, I reckon. In the case of the exhibition OMG, Māori Gods in the 21st Century, there are a few meanings, and yes, stories, told through the eyes of digital artist Norm Hickey. What I've seen in other art forms and what I've seen as sketches and things is Papatūnuku is usually laying on the land. Yeah, Earth Mother. And you've got Rangi Nui above. Sky Father, yeah, yeah, above. Whereas now I'm saying Papatūnuku is Mother Earth and I'm sitting on the moon taking a photograph of Papatūnuku and there she is. And I've made it so when you're further away it looks like Earth but when you come close it's actually Mother Earth. Kia ora Norm, he's up later in the show and we'll hear about the interesting career path he's followed over the past 25 years. Nā reira, koira ngā kaupapa i tēnei ahiahi pō. That's coming up tonight in this edition of Te Ahika. Te Ahika, Radio New Zealand National. Ko te mea tuatahi. Recently, Mariah visited a wee marae in a little village some 10 minutes from Hastings who are doing their part to deal to poor Māori health statistics. The instructions to get to the marae says to go past Te Hauke and through to Pakepake. Now, I've just passed Te Hauke. Pakepake should be just up the road here. It's about five minutes from Te Hauke. I am just passing the quarry on the left-hand side. Anyone to Hawke's Bay recognises where the quarry is. And going down, turning left down Old Main Road. This is the road that you used to drive along before they put in the new bypass from Pukipuki. Go to the end of Old Main Road and the mountains ahead of me on the horizon, they are covered in snow. Going, uh, I'm just driving behind the settlement of Pukipuki actually. Okay, Tāraya Marae should be at the end of this road. Is this Taraya Marae? Ta 
Mare, Mare. Oh. This is the one. Oh, yeah. This is where the podiatry thing happens, eh? <laughs> yeah. Shall I just park out here? <laughs> okay. Okay, kia ora. Have you had your appointment? Did you get your feet looked at? Mm. Oh, yes. Well, we, we generally have ours, well, myself. I come here nearly every three months, but they generally have it every two or three months, I think. Any good? Oh, yes, very good. <laughs> <laughs> and the price of it is quite reasonable. $20? Yes. That's it's not too dear? No, it's not really. It's, it's really reasonable for people like us, for uh, um, super people, and, and it's really lovely. I quite enjoyed it. I've been coming here for nearly two years now. And how long and did it take? Going for quite a while. Oh. Yes, quite a while too. How long did it take for your appointment? Oh, about ten minutes. Oh, up my key. Oh yes, quite a while too. Oh, quite a while too. Oh well, On the maho of the fare, I can see there. A uh, couple of nannies, about four nannies, and there's a podiatrist. He's got one nanny's foot and he's doing it. The marae is, uh, the whare is quite distinctive. It has, uh, I guess, if you look at it, you'd think it was herringbone design um, panels facing out. Beautiful day. Right. Better go see these nannies and go suss this out. We're sitting on the maho of the whare and it's a beautiful, beautiful Hawke's Bay morning. Oh, it's so nice to be around sunshine. Now, um, at Taraya Marae, now on the other side of where we're seated is the podiatrist. Yes, the podiatrist. And uh, he's and administering he, to somebody. Yes. Kia ora. Yes. <laughs> and we're very lucky to have him. He comes out every six to eight weeks. And it's very handy for us, especially for us, the Komatwas here, eh? You know, it's handy. I just live down the road and we just come along and get our, our toenails done. And it's, and it's cheap. You know what? It's cheap. You know, instead of going into town, and he does it does a wonderful job. Prior to this, had you been to a podiatrist? Yes, before? yes, I've been to right. podiatrist in Hastings, and it cost me a leg and an, and an arm to go there. Eh? You know, sometimes living out in the country, you know, I, my grandchildren are all the way working, and it's because I don't drive. You know, and it's hard for me to get into town, and we find it's very handy. Come down here, you know. Is there something Maori do? Do we get our feet looked at? Yes, I think so, just quietly, isn't it? Just, you know, Maoris, they're sort of coming forward coming forward now to have their feet oh, yeah. feet done. Well, the thing is, their toenails still grow, whether they're Maori or Pākehā. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's yeah, excellent. Yeah. Very, 
thing there, yes. I just didn't think many Māori went to a podiatrist. It's like going to a chiropractor yeah, that's or, right. or a osteopath. Yeah, that's Something right. That you don't no, they really, come here now. They go no, to the doctors. Yeah, they go to the doctors. But not to the, yes, that's right. This is almost like an added thing. Yeah, that's right, it is. And because it's so handy, him coming here to the marae, you find them, they come here to him now, you know, you know what I mean, eh? So it's made it more... Um, Convenient and everything for them. Accessible. Accessible, It's yes. not quite so intimidating yeah, that's right. to go that's to that's right, yes. And I think... Make they, an appointment. I think they're more, they feel more at ease here, you know, in the surroundings here, you know, the, you know, us people, eh, you know, feel, feel more at ease here. Yeah, since 2004, when Makareta Eplet, yes. she'll be coming shortly with the Taifenua, she she asked me would I do a health thing on the marae because the Taifenua had run out of money. And, and you know, so I said, most certainly, you can come here any time. Yeah. And we're lucky to have Janice here too because she comes over and you know, prepares the place for everyone, you know, and we come there and everything's set up for us to have our feet done. Yeah. So it becomes quite an accessible thing for Māori to come to. So what about Pākehā? Do they feel intimidated about actually coming to the mother? No. Well, if they do, they've got to come past me, and I'm a Pākehā. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. How far do most clients come from just around the village here? Some of them do. But then you get some that come from outside the area. Yeah. You know, like um, Margaret... Uh, Hapukuchi usually comes from town. Yeah. And Makarete, and they all come from yeah, town. Yeah, we have yeah. all these ones that suffer with diabetes and all that. They all come mm -hmm. here, eh? They come yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. And have their toenails done. Yeah. Predominantly Maoris. Ko Makarete Eplet, Taku Ingoa, Ko Ngatikahungu Tiwi, Ko Ngatimahung Rawako. Ngāti hini pare ngā hapu, ko mōte o te marae. Um, ko hahara keke i noho ana. Um, ko nehi Māori fō te taiwhenua o Heretaunga. Makerita Eplet, you're a nurse for taiwhenua. So taiwhenua Heretaunga is an organisation that's kahununu based, aye, Ngāti kahununu aye, iwi based. Aye. Okay. Now, uh, you've come here today to Tāraia Marae in Pakipaki and you brought a client aye, to right, the podiatrist. Right. Yes, this um, podiatry clinic was initiated in year 2004, mainly because at that time um, I graduated from uh, Auckland University as the mobile DSM nurse um, and was the DSM, uh, which is Disease State Management uh, Mobile Services. And so there were a lot of things that needed to be put in place and podiatry was one of them because a lot of our Māori people were suffering with um, calluses and ingrown toenails, uh, foot problems, which eventually untreated would lead to um, leg ulcers and gangrene and sometimes in most cases amputation. So that's why this clinic was um, initiated. Uh, we did have a, mo uh, a clinic at Taifenua but at that time the podiatrist... Taifenua is the premises. Taifenua and Hiratonga, the which is based in Orchard Road. In Hastings. In Hastings. Um, 
but uh, that podiatrist, however, uh, decided to resign, and hence we've got Neville uh, Crockett now running the mobile clinic here, based at Taraimarae and Pakepake. So when you're drawing up care plans for clients, do you assess whether they need to go to a podiatrist or do they self-refer? We usually make that referral to the podiatrist on their behalf. Um, Initially, in their care plans, of course, um, on on referral to our services because they can refer themselves as a self-referral or GP referral, or even be referred by friends, neighbours, or even whānau to the mobile services. And how many of your clients use the mobile podiatry clinic? Um, at the moment, there's only one, two, three, four. There's only about half a dozen at the moment, but they, a lot of our clients um, that we service. Uh, run from our GP practices and so with the podiatrist based at our GP practice she actually services diabetics mainly but there are clients under the mobile services who are not diabetics but still require podiatry care and so hence that's why I encourage them to come along to see Neville and get their um, toenails and calluses and so forth treated. So what you're doing is preventative care. Yes. Now, Māori, we're notorious for not doing that. That's right. <laughs> is it changing? Uh, Māori need to be continually educated, and I think education is a real biggie. Uh, and, you know, and being informed of all the... Um, services that are available to them, that needs to be made more aware of. You know, it's the awareness of all the services that are available to a lot of our people. And half the time... There's still so many barriers. I know. I mean, no car to make it to the clinic. Aye, aye. But poor Hara can't afford the petrol. That's right. I mean, those are things beyond... Yes, And those are the sorts of things that need to be um, addressed, you know, because I know many of our clients are uh, beneficiaries because we're dealing with low socioeconomic bracket um, clients. And transport, yes, money, lack of knowledge, lack of education, there's quite a lot that still needs, a lot of work needs to be done in those areas. We try our very best to do health promotion. Um, then you've got all these statistics and, and um, deadlines to meet and so forth. So, you know, and not enough putia to do all the work that we would like to. And there's not enough, number, n- not enough hours in a day even, let alone a week, to cover the mahi that we need to do for our people. So I heard this noise before Neville. You're the you're the podiatrist, mm-hmm. and it sounded as remarkably like that drill that people put in your mouth at the dentist. <laughs> it, it does sound a little like that, doesn't it? But um, actually, you wouldn't want that um, on your teeth, I don't think. Uh, no, um, a lot of people have very um, thickened nails, and really, the only way to deal with that is to re- reduce the nail down by uh, by drilling it with uh, a little abrasive drill. So you must see 
toenails that can climb trees. Pretty much, mm. yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, um, sometimes um, um, people um, have had experienced damage to the nail bed and that can cause the nail to distort um, and, um, and become very difficult to manage, uh, for people to manage on their own. Um, and, and the other issue is a lot of people simply have trouble reaching down to their feet because of uh, osteoarthritis or um, other ailments. So we're talking about oldies here, eh? Yeah, well, generally, yes. Um, the other big issue um, is, uh, is diabetes. And um, you may know that um, diabetes is um, really very prevalent amongst Maori populations and, and Pacific Islands seems to be also on the increase. So. It's very important for people who are diabetic to uh, have their feet checked over occasionally. Well, That's for circulation, right? Um, yes, di diabetes has some implications, uh, not only for the circulation, but also for the peripheral nervous system. Um, a lot of diabetic people um, experience um, num can experience numbness in the foot, which of course puts them at risk um, if they can't feel. Uh, then they can damage themselves or, uh, without actually realising it. And it's very important for, for diabetics to uh, just have a routine checkup on the feet just to make sure that there aren't any uh, unknown injuries that they don't know about or just to make sure that, um, that their circulation is um, of, of a reasonable standard. Um, we do a number of tests by feeling um, the pulse around the, um, the, the... a couple of pulses in the foot, uh, the tibial artery and the... Um, and also the dorsalis pedis artery on the top of the foot. Um, we feel for the pulse there. And uh, um, we also do um, sensation tests using a 10-gram monofilament. And uh, this is a standard test, just to test whether people are actually aware of a, um, a certain amount of um, sensation on the toes. And um, using those tests, we can kind of assess... Um, the, the, the sort of risk degree um, that's there. So I've had members of my wider whānau with diabetes who have ended up having parts of their, their toes amputated yes. or bits of their foot amputated. Is that because...? That's, that's down to small blood vessel disease often. It can be... Um, main, art, main arteries, of course, can get affected, but in diabetes you get... Um, you get uh, thickening of the basement membrane and the tiny, tiny little capillaries and and because of that uh, you don't get the proper transference of oxygen and nutrients into the tissues and so so literally those tissues can starve to death and um, therefore we get gangrene. So a, lo a lot of gangrene is caused by small blood vessel disease. So Neil, can you basically assess the health of someone by their feet? Um, well, that's that's probably um, um, over, overstating things. I think no, you can't assess someone's entire health picture just just from their feet, but you can certainly um, draw some conclusions about um, about uh, their circulation. Um, the other thing is um, foot deformity um, exists in in a lot of people who, for example, have rheumatoid arthritis. Uh, so certainly you can often tell from, from someone's foot whether they've got rheumatoid arthritis because they present with a very typical structure and quite a, um, a recognisable set of uh, deformities in the foot and in the toes. So that's the other group that um, is um, very important to take care of in podiatry is um, 
as uh, other rheumatoid patients. So what does it feel like when you've got the drill on your on your toe? At first, if you sort of get a bit of a fright, but it it just it's a bit of a relief because he's filed them. Where it causes a little bit of a vibrating sensation, doesn't yeah. it? It doesn't actually. And it, it tickles. It might tickle a little bit. <laughs> and the other thing we do with these uh, nails that are shaped like this sometimes is um, just use a very small one-sided file. You can see by looking at this. That, that looks like um, a scalpel. No, no, it's not. <laughs> I've been watching too much TV. Yeah. This, too much this is uh, just a little um, instrument called a black's file, and it's just, we do, so we just tuck that under the corner of the nail like that, and draw it back just to round off any sharp corner that may be there you see just like that um, and um, if you go carefully um, it's usually entirely painless. Hey we Neville mm. you know when you grow when you when you age as you're getting older do your feet change? You can get bony um, changes in the bony architecture yes uh, sometimes um, you, you do get small osteoarthritic changes in the, in the small joints of the toes. People can end up with uh, toes that have become crooked or uh, so-called hammer toes can occur because of um, osteoarthritic changes, yes. And what about if you get really skinny? Can your feet size, can the f size of your feet change? Yeah, some people do find that because of the decrease in the amount of um, actual fat. Uh, the, the amount of subcutaneous fat, uh, so, so yes. But uh, I, I don't expect that the, the length of the bones could change. No, you wouldn't, uh, you wouldn't, get, a, uh, you wouldn't get shortening in the bones. So I, so I don't think that um, the length of the foot would change. But uh, uh, some people do sort of perceive that their feet may, may be a little smaller because of the uh, decrease in fat. Same with the hands, you know, people's, people's rings become looser if they lose a lot of weight. Um, Harking back to the joint deformities too, you often see those little lumps on, on elderly yes. people's fingers, known as Hebbidens nodes. Well, they're um, just small osteoarthritic changes in the uh, in, in the um, interphalangeal joints. Same thing can happen on the toes. And Neville, do you notice the difference between Māori feet and Pākehā feet, or Māori and other culture feet? Um, Māori people, I, I think, often do seem to have. Um, Our feet are beautiful. Eh? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> often have quite quite white feet. You know. We sure do. <laughs> I feel like I'm looking at a reflection of my feet, looking at yours, <laughs> mate. Beautiful, my feet. See, see, see. Neville told me yeah. that my feet are beautiful than what they when I yeah. first started. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> the other issues is, is dealing with um, corns and calluses is the other uh, thing that takes up a lot of the routine work that uh, that podiatrists do. People often develop corns over bony prominences. Um, or over areas where there's undue pressure occurring. If you get um, structural changes in the foot or if you haven't got ideal anatomy of the foot, then you're going to end up with uh, pressure points, um, which can be the site of corns and calluses developing. And to, to treat those, we just uh, use a scalpel blade to uh, debride the tissue down. And Yeah, and then my, um, a lot of us have cracked heels Neville. And cracked heels are the other yeah. thing that, that and, uh, are, and can shoes. be very, very painful too. Well, well how, how do you get cracked heels? Uh, well, it's, it's a combination of um, just dryness of the skin. If the skin loses its, um, loses its hydration, you know, like if it becomes very, very dry, then it can't move. It, uh, it doesn't, it's not as flexible as Too it many rubber jandals. Um, so when the skin loses its <laughs> elasticity, then you're, you're going to get uh, fissures occurring. Um, and that's exacerbated too by if people are overweight, they'll, they'll obviously there's more more pressure going onto the heel. I believe it. <laughs>
Um, so yes, it's more often more found in people who are overweight and heel fishers. Um, and of course, their calluses are going to be thicker. And you mean and, they're uh, unable to get down there and rub them? <laughs> yeah, oh, well, like can rubbing, be part of it too. rubbing yeah. oil or rubbing mm. cream on your on yeah. Your this, face. Uh, uh, people can do a, a lot to take care of their their, their um, feet if they're prone to dry skin. There's a, there's a lot of good products out there in the market that are ideal for uh, for dry skin. I, I used to have really bad cracked heels, but that was only because I used to sort of wear just. Candles or slip-ons, and he he was saying that they're incorrect to wear. Like we tend to do okay. it during the summertime, well, and then and no moisturise our feet. Mildly, we know, yes, and we don't um, moisturise our feet or look after them. He no. said, and we need our feet to get yeah. around. I know. You know, so he said it's an important part to look after. Otherwise, you okay. can't get so around. It's just so that's yes. Yeah, so just come a long way since that's then. Fine. I'll, I'll, I'll stay and wait yeah. for you. How long have you been coming for me? Uh, for about a year now. Oh. Because he's come to the Marae and it's more accessible because I don't have a vehicle and it's more affordable too. Yeah. yeah. And um, I used to do the, it's been good too because I used to do the mini mini for the diabetic mm. client at Choices and a lot of them are very whakama about their feet. Yeah. And about okay. and some of them said oh, they couldn't well, afford just, the right shoe, but you know, and yeah. so we sort of addressed a few okay. problems. And just oh, coming out here, yeah, he's been able to um, to address a lot of the lot of the diabetic clients. And see, um, he's just spoken to market editor. She brings out the, the diabetic clients. I think it was um, was it Pop that comes out and he always wore jandals. Oh, and he came yes. out in a bad state because he's got really bad diabetes and mm. and the feet were really bad. One of the worst patients I've yes. ever seen with diabetes. Mm. What about you, Neville? I thought he was. He, he, he was in a pretty serious state, yeah. yeah. Um, is also bringing another chap today um, who um, has got feet that are very much at risk. Yeah. Prone to ulceration as well. Yeah, it's sort of just yeah. a little tender love and care, I reckon. And, you know, so we've... Neville schooled us up on that, and you know, and and it's, you know, I was just telling him before I was telling the rest to come to the podiatrist, and they thought I was talking about eyes, mm. about coming to get their eyes tested, and I was going, no, it's to have your feet done, and they go, but why? And I said, well, when you get up first thing in the morning, you, you know, your feet are the first thing you put on the floor to get around. Oh, it's a yeah. bit like the dentist, eh, May? Yes. We only go there when we absolutely have to. <laughs> have to, yeah. Yeah, yeah. prevention's always better than cure, eh? Yeah, yeah. yeah that's why Marty's not really up to rent like that. <laughs> <laughs> we only go there when it's an absolute emergency. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And that's a, and that's yeah. a problem, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's, it's a problem. Yeah, we yeah. need to be getting more into yeah. preventative So, yeah, I'm quite care. proud of our nannies here. They even come in from town or out of the, from the other marais, just have their feet done because they know that once their feet done, it's sort of like a pamper day. Um, um, I said, if we have time, we sort of soak, oh, we could soak their feet and give them a little bit of muddy to make their day because it's such a beautiful day here on the, the middle, I'd say. Kia ora, Makareta Eplet, Jan Mangere, May Kenrick and Lily Stone enjoying their podiatrist visit by Neville Crockett at Taraya Marae Pakepake, which is about 10 k's outside Hastings. We've posted pictures from the day on our webpage, radionz.co.nz forward slash te ahika. And do let us know what's happening in your communities, whānau. Our email address is te ahika at radionz.co.nz or even if you have suggestions or feedback, let us know via email. 
I'm Mariah Rakraku. And I'm Justin Murray, and this is Te Ahika. Photographer and digital artist Norm Heke reckons he has thousands of images in his head that he'd like to make into digital photography. Well, that's what he told you near Justin. He did. After 20 years of making pictures, he's still got loads of creativity. Norm is currently the imaging specialist at Te Papatongarewa Museum in Wellington, and his photos have been published in journals and catalogues around the world. It's likely you've seen his work without knowing it. His photographs dress many Māori weaving books like The Art of Māori Weaving, The Eternal Thread, Te Aho Mutunga Kore by Miriama Evans and Ranui Ngarimu. But it's digital art that's taken up a bit of Norm's time this year with his 3D and flip effect or lenticular exhibition OMG, Māori Gods in the 21st Century. Think those religious pictures that were everywhere in the 1970s that had an image that appeared to move as you rotated it from side to side. He's exhibiting at Pātaka Museum Porirua, Wellington and that's where Justine met him. My whanau is from Whangaroa and uh, Ngāpui, Ngāti Kahu. Um, and also from my grandmother's side is um, Tiarawa, and also from um, Welsh and English as well. Um, I was basically, um, from the age of 12, um, grew up in Upper Hutt and um, sort of been a Hutt Valley boy for a long time and now living in Lower Hutt, wife too. Um, but um, yeah, no, that's, that's where I've, uh, my, my background you may be picking up some sounds. We're in your space, so to speak, of the um, exhi- your exhibition, Norm Heke OMGs, Mighty Gods in the 21st Century. Tell us some more about it. Um, OMGs, it's like, oh my gods, you know. And so, um, and what, what's turned out is actually um, when people walk into the space, that's the first thing they say is, oh my god. Because um, it is a, a visual experience as a... Uh, a photographer for many years. Um, I've always um, enjoyed um, photography, but now in the digital um, arena, um, you can do so much more. And I've always had this passion of um, um, talking about our history, uh, Aotearoa history, and um, it's not talked about enough, and we've got a rich and valuable history. And so I thought, what better way um, with my talent as a visual artist, digital visual artists is to actually start telling those stories my way and so this exhibition is um, a a thing and it's open for hundreds of possibilities after this but that's my experience of where I see my exhibition now is to actually tell our stories in a a visual way so when people come in here they can actually see Maui pulling up to Ikea Maui uh, with his brothers and um, if um, and also Hininuatitama and Hininuatipo. And uh, so it's interesting, the other day somebody said to me that um, now he will never see Hininuatipo in any other way than how he's perceived it here. Oh, okay, so it really gives you that visual experience. It does. Mm. Now you're past as in, you used to be a, a criminal photographer, is that correct? Yes, my, my, first, my first job was a forensic photographer. Forensic. And, yeah, so um, I wasn't actually photographing crime scenes as such, but I photographed um, things that were involved in crime. Um, so if there was a knife used in a crime, I'd photograph that and all that sort of thing. So there was horrendous things. Um, there were some things that would really sort of um, turn your... Um, turn your Turn your puku, yeah, yeah, pretty much. But before that, I used to be a butcher, so it didn't really matter. (laughs) Butcher, forensic photographer, now a digital artist or digital 
That's correct. Photographer. Yeah. So um, I'm with Norm Hickey at his exhibition. Let's take a walk. Um, yes. Norm, so the, this piece in front of us, it's like, I mean, very 3D. Yeah. Is that the basically the, the, the common thread of this exhibition, 3D, pops up at you? Um, well, it's, what it is, is, is I wanted to make it vis- visually stimulating. Um, and 3D is just coming... It's coming about now, um, so this one is the only 3D image that's in the in the show. But what I wanted to say here is that um, I wanted to portray Papatūnuku in a way that isn't really seen. I've modernised Papatūnuku and say what I'm seeing is what I've seen in other art forms, and what I've seen as sketches and things. Papatūnuku is usually laying on the land, yeah, Earth Mother, mm-hmm. laying on the land, and you've got Rangi Nui above, Sky Father, yeah, yeah, above. Whereas now I'm saying Papatūnuku is Mother Earth, right. and I'm sitting on the moon taking a photograph of Papatūnuku, and there she is. And I've made it so when you're further away, it looks like Earth. But when you come close, you realise it's, it's actually Mother Earth. And Ranganui is actually depicted by the ozone and the stars and the Milky Way. And that's Ranganui surrounding Papatunuku and embracing her. Um, everyone else has got their own ideas and lots of iwi have got their own stories. I've read lots of books and I've consulted with um, Komata, Cliff Whiting, uh, Manos Nathan, um, Darcy Nicholas here and talking about some of the stories and, um, and, and also talking with others to sound out the stories but this is my interpretation now and so when people come in they might go oh that's not right or they might say that is right but um, for me this is my interpretation. Now Norm obviously we can hear the sounds, what are the mm. sounds that we can hear at the moment? This is Kuowo. Um now the Kuowo was originally played by Richard Nunn's but so what I did is I copied it and played it myself because um, I didn't want to sort of offend Richard by using his work and not asking him, but I did copy it. So I've copied his play, way of playing at the Kawawa, as well as um, the other bits of music um, have been done by a good friend of mine, Aaron. Aaron Compton, he uh, worked with my partner, Julian Ornor, and Aaron is an educator, but he also is a digital um, music can composer, and he composed this piece for me. It's ten minutes long, and it's got um, a couple of um, whakatoki in it, depicting talking about um, Henenotapu uh, and also talking about Tane Mahuta. So this is you playing, though, this and it's my playing. And and there's other another concept in there as well, which um, Aaron brought on board, is that you'll hear the tapping of the uhi, the the, the, the moko, being made, and so when the moko is being made, you're, you're tapping the skim. And then it changes to the typewriter. So in the earlier days, we used to talk with our muko. So people would look at our muko, and that would be the way you'd read. But now it's with words. So he's taken from the old and brought into the modern world. So it's similar to my images. All my images reflect on the past and also come through to the future. So you actually, it's the way we are as Māori. We always have our past, um, you know, a tipuna and as as our past, and we carry those with us into the future. And these are huge measurements of, of your pieces, Norm? They're um, 1.8 high by 1.2 wide. So, yeah, 1.2 um, um, metres or 1.8 high. So I wanted to... Um, this is the largest you can get in this material, so I wanted to make them give it impact. What is the material? Uh, it's called lenticular. Uh, lenticular lenses. Um, I'm um, 
keeping it to myself, this one at the moment. Okay. <laughs> but um, in saying that, it's um, basically it's a, a, it's a process, um, and to do it, you've really got to understand how it works. So then once you uh, understand how it works, you then do your imagery to suit the actual wow. material. Amazing. So we've just seen uh, Papatuanuku and Ranginui. We're moving on to... So this one looks like Maui. This is, this is Maui. Maui and his brothers. <gasps> it changed! Huh? That is... So I'm standing on the... Where my left side? Right side of... The right side. I'm standing on the right side, and so I'm walking past right now. So it's Maui that looks like he's on a, a waka. And then he's on the steps of Parliament. Your viewing distance is quite viewing distance of about two metres away from the oh, there, there we go. And you get a better indication <laughs> by standing two metres away or more and you walk backwards and forwards and you can see the two. Man, it is... One, the first word is trippy <laughs> that comes to my mind. Yeah. So what's the meaning behind this piece, which is Maui and his brother's... Yeah. Maui and his brothers. Well, Maui and his brothers, well, this is the story of Maui and when he hid away in the vaka, because it would have been a vaka, he hid away on the vaka with his brothers. Uh, his brothers didn't know he was there. Yeah, he wanted to go and fish and with them. And he went to go fish with them. And then he brought out a special um, hook of his grandmother's jawbone and tossed it overside. And he, he got um, to, to Maui, to Ika Maui. So he's pulling up to Ika Maui. And his brothers, as you can see, they're sort of shocked and mystified and what's going on. And one of the brothers is standing up there, and that's um, Charlie Nono. He's actually, uh, he's a reverend, Charlie Nono. So I've placed him as a, uh, a tohunga right. within that. And his other brothers, and they are brothers, they're the Nono boys. Um, that's Peter Nono, Art Nono, and Tony Nono, and Charlie Nono, all of the Hutt Valley, and from uh, Tolaga Bay. And they actually, um, they are depicted on the uh, vaka. And uh, Shane James, who I work with, um, when I approached Shane, I sort of, um, Maui was a, um, an entrepreneur, um, wasn't afraid of death. Um, he um, had this whole outlook on life. And um, Shane has actually got that outlook as well. He's an entrepreneur, um, very intelligent. And um, he's got a, this outlook of no fear in his life. So um, when I asked Shane and told him the story, we had no problem telling the story. But what is actually happening here is, so you see the rocks in the foreground, mm -hmm. that's actually the Makara coastline, and the sky is actually the Wellington sky. So it is actually Wellington, or, you know, um, Te Ika Maui. And so the next image is part of... Yeah, the next image is basically if Maui was alive now, because he was killed by Hini Nuitapo, but if he was alive now, who would he be? And I made him the Prime Minister of New Zealand. <laughs> Got on your norm, of course he would be that. And Te Ranga Tera flag is up the top there, and people might chastise me for putting a flag there, and I'm sort of, as a hecky, the British put the flag on my land, why can't I put it on theirs? Nice. <laughs> Oh, I just love the way you can. Mm. You have to sort of just move your body to see yeah. the different imagery. And sort of, he's got he's holding the treaty in his hands, and the cloaks that you see wearing that he's wearing are from the uh, Wananga and Otaki. Oh, of Raukawa? Yes, and they um, allowed me to use the cloaks and I've um, sh shown them in a really nice way. But and um, Tuatina um, Pasini, those are her suits. And again, the beautiful Māori suits. And 
and that's the Maui, Maui party, with, and you'll see um, the beehive's got um, power, <laughs> and the old building's carved as well. So, And so um, the whole thing is basically, who would Maui be now who if he was Maui alive? Who would Maui be now? Moving on to Tumatauinga. Yes, Tumatauinga, you'll, you'll come again if you go to one side. So we are moving... Oh, hang on, hang on, I can see it. Oh, oh am I in the right space, um, Norm? Well, you walk back and forth and have a nosy. And, um, so I can see um, basically um, an image of Tumatauinga holding a patsu, and, and then I'm walking to the right side of it. Hey, and then he's in... He's got like a gun in his hand now. Wow, he's holding a... He's holding a head. Yeah, he goes from... Tumatauinga of the past, so how he was before European came to New Zealand. So that's what, because it's been described to me, war is like going into hell. And so what I've tried to do is depict him as a war god, and he's it's just come out of battle. And yes, he has got a slain head in his hands. Um, he's just decapitated his next victim, and. Around his neck, he's got a whole lot of ears as trophies of his previous victims. He has too. And the uh, wahaika, he's just slayed him with. And uh, it's fortunate the wahaika is actually, I carved that myself and gave it to my uh, stepson for his 21st. So that's my wahaika in his hand. And the moko was done by uh, Mark Kupua. Oh yes, Mark Kupua. And so I approached Mark and said, for uh, Tumatauinga, um, what was his, his moko be? So Mark designed that wow. and put it on his face and then I've enhanced it with Photoshop, but that's Mark's design and And, and Mark's seen this? Mark's seen this, yes. What was his kōrero to you? Uh, well, he was, he was very, very um, proud to be involved in it, but also I represented it to okay. how he liked it, so I haven't, you know... so. As far as that, I was very, very, very proud, actually. So uh, Tumatauinga of the past. Yep. And so, you, yeah, and so, and, and as you see, it's scorched earth and the pass out in the background and the red sky of fire. So it's, it's just straight after a battle. And then as we go into the future... We move... Because Tumatauinga is still present with us and into the future... And I could have portrayed him with a, a large gun, like most men like having big guns and things. AK-47. Yeah, but what I stated then is I said, well, technology, because this is into the future, a gun like that would probably be a nuclear firearm and it would probably wipe out a city just for that little gun. So technology. The pants, the clothing on all these is I've made myself. So the pants are from wetter fibres. So that's a giant wetter. And it's been shaped and formed to make his pants and the barbs. Wow. And then you've got the city scene. Um, it's desolation and, and young boys and everything, particularly like this one. They, um, and it's um, basically like a war god, you know, a gaming war god. Yeah, I was going to say, it's got that very kind yeah. of and god of war looking, yeah, yeah. yeah. And... Um, New Zealand Army is their their um, their, their name is Tumatauinga, mm-hmm. and so I thought, well, you know, here we are. So this is um, my interpretation of who he is. And you know, he hasn't got body armor on because he's a god. He doesn't. 
because for me, I mean, this is this is the first time I've ever seen something like this, and it kind of, I mean, just thinking of my younger cousins, they would be amazed by this imagery. They'd be like, "What?" You know, spend a few, maybe half an hour just, you know. Yeah. Well, it's the next. It's the next phase of photography, really. Um, photography. Next phase of photography. Yeah. Where images aren't necessarily captured through the lens. Uh, they're still. So you're still captured through the lens. You're still. You're still, as a photographer, looking at lighting, looking at composition, and looking at storytelling. Um, but it's a new way of storytelling. I'm creating worlds that don't exist. Mm-hmm. I'm sort of trying to create worlds that. Um, like a, 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 an artist or a, uh, who paints, they paint scenes that mm. sometimes don't exist. Whereas I'm a visual photographer and I'm creating digital art forms mm. that don't exist. But um, but in my my way of sort of portraying them, I'm enjoying seeing people's comments and things. And and we've got a um, yeah no, it's it's good to see. And I've, I've enjoyed the process. I've got thousands of other ideas in my head. Um, but again, it comes down to you know see how this goes. Um, yep, yeah, and the the collection is for sale, so you know. So Norm, can we just um, there's a list of people that I saw on your Papa Tuanuku sign that I'd just like you to mention because um, yeah, one of the best tamaku artists in the country and you know is Mark Kopua. Mm-hmm. So we mentioned him before yes. and been part of the Tumatauinga yes. piece. Um, who else was involved? Well, what I've done is, um, this is unusual really, um, a few artists do it, but um, having a credit wall, and, and you often you sort of, a lot of works are created, and with this one here, it's, it's quite neat, because as a digital artist, what I've done is I've actually, um, I've done the Photoshop work, done the photography, was the photographer, and, and the conceptual ideas and everything, so sort of a one-stop shop. <laughs> But in saying that, to be a one-stop shop, I've also um, needed the assistance and help of other people, and they have been the people that have supplied me um, uh, all the um, the, the, the uh, cloaks and uh, looking at um, and the modelling themselves. People coming forward and modelling. And so what we have here is um, Aaron Compton, who is doing the soundscape. Now he put some time aside and put the soundscape together, and that is what you're here playing at the moment. And then you have Papatunuku, we have the body artist, um, and this is Nicole um, Hayden. Um, um, I apologise for the pronunciation. Oh, no, but, um, Hayden and, Yeah, and she did the body painting. She's a body artist and based on Wainuamata, so she did the body painting for me. Um, and she did Papatunuku and Tane. And then you have Tane, which is Shane Pasini, who's a model. And again, body painting. Tumatauinga, we have um, um, Tamatia Kupu, Kupu, and that's um, Mark Kupu's nephew. He's the model, and and so wow. and so and and Travis Norno is probably his, 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 his first modelling role, but he's the dead body on the ground. <laughs> oh. <laughs> not the head, though. The head's not his, but um, the body on the ground is his. And did then, you draw the head? No. There's a story with that, and that's mm. a one that I keep to myself. Okay. <laughs> <gasps> uh, but and then um, Mark Kupua, Mukuaris, um, with um, Taryn Berry. Taryn Berry. And so Taryn was also as um, Mark's uh, apprentice. She yes. actually also finished off the artwork as well. So, 
and um, with Hini Nuitapo also doing that. And when I asked for about the moko and the mokokoa, it's basically um, depiction of um, Hini Nuitapo, and that's her moko, basically how Mark sees it. And so it's a hierarchy. Um, it's, she's the highest um, sort of type of moko you can Top actually... Mokokoa. So, and then you have um, the other people uh, that yeah. you have. You've got the models here, Mary Boynton again, and then you've got um, um, Hini Waipomu, uh, and that's Mark's um, stepdaughter. So that's she's she's oh, Mark. Oh, yeah, So, and then the baby is Tikoha Nono. So that's um, um, one of my little nephews. <laughs> so. Uh, Mark Cooper again in there, and and then you're looking at Koha Grace, and she's got a part of her piece with uh, on Henny Titama, mm-hmm. and um, and then you've got other people like Olivia Giles, who was this construction. Susan Tamaki, she did the dressing of some of the models um, um, in one of the shoots. Uh, Julia Norno, and she made the. Uh, a fern dress with Abby, my daughter, Abby Hickey. They um, constructed the fern dress and did that the night before. Uh, Linny and Hitt and the whanau supplied the feather cloak. It's actually Eleanor Hitt's cloak, but I was, she allowed me, to, le, allowed me to shape the dress into that shape. So the actual body of it is Eleanor's um, cloak, but I've shaped it into a dress. No, I think it's absolutely brilliant. I have, this is Norm's brother we're speaking to. I've never seen anything like this, and I've seen a lot of Norman's work over the years, but this is a whole different class altogether. Is it kind of left field for you? Not left field. Just, I think, amazement that he's able to do this with cameras, and it's just so original. You know, it represents modern-day life, but yet not... Yes, and that was, that's Norm's nephew. It's, it's definitely groundbreaking art. I've never seen anything like it, and I've travelled most of the world. Awesome. Yeah. And it really is like first-rate painting. The more you look at it, the more you see. And every time you look at it, there's something more. Yeah, so you've got to spend the time to see. Yes. Yes, yeah, just like any Stand and art. study it like any good art, and the more you look, the more you see. So has Norm always been into visual photography, art? He says he's got thousands of images in his mind yet. Has he always been? He's he's been in photography for well over 20, 22, 23 years. Does he take the whanau photos at the whanau gatherings? Actually, sometimes. We do try not to make him the, the whanau photographer and let him just be our brother. <laughs> he goes to great lengths to get really phenomenal photographs and has done over the years. Kia ora, nō mheke, nō nāpuhi, nā tikahu, me te arwa. Check out a couple of his pictures at our website, radionz.co.nz forward slash teahika, that's T-E-A-H-I-K-A-A. Today, Māori market, a type of Māori art extravaganza based at Pātaka in the flash Te Rauparaha Arena out in Puriroa, Wellington, wound up after five days and we were there taking it all in. And wishing that the money tree in our backyard actually existed near Justine. <laughs> I uh, Some of the works there were amazing. Te Atahua Hoki, beautiful. 
and it's quite possibly the only time you see artists of all practice levels mixing it up. I mean, where else do senior artists like Fred Graham and Cliff Whiting show on one wall, and around the corner are pieces from Wananga students? Next week, we'll hear from some of the artists, and Mariah gets the lowdown on the revamping of Poi Iho. That's the mark of an artwork as originating from an Indigenous practitioner. And it's a means of ensuring that what you're buying is of a certain standard and not a cheap knockoff. You may be surprised at what some artists think about it. And next week, you'll also hear from our next guest, Tyna Keelan, who, with Dee Matheson and Christopher Yeebsley, are the knock. You've heard Wyatt from their self titled album in tonight's broadcast, but here he is with his interpretation of this week's Fakatoki. Tamaki of many lovers. Tamaki was a place which commanded people's affections because of the fertility and physical location. This is uh, Tamaki Makaure. Tamaki of many lovers. Tamaki was a place which commanded people's affections because of its fertility and physical location. Well, to me, because there's a huge melting pot of uh, different races and it makes it a really interesting place. And I've lived in South Auckland for a while, so yeah. it's cool. Uh, kia ora tātou, uh, ko Taina Keelan, taku ingoa, no ua wa nui a tonu. Yeah, I'm from Uawa, um, Waipu te awa, hikirangi te maunga. Uh, what else? Ngāki te parau te iwi. Yeah, nungu mai wahini te hapu. Uh, yeah, and all that. Anti a little bit. <laughs> But I don't really recognise that northern side. No, I do. I love you, fellas. <laughs> That's sad. Okay, is that me? Kia ora taina. That's us for this week. Next week, more from Nga Taonga Te Wakatoi. This time, it's a turn of Robin Kahukiwa. And Dr Maria Budge gives us the lowdown on the significance of MMP to Māori and how Mozzies, Māori Aussies, cope when it comes to voting in elections.